I have been pondering rearview mirrors over the last several weeks. I grew up using the rearview mirror in my car, as most of you probably have. <clears throat> Used it to back up, watch for approaching traffic, park, comb my hair, <laughs> make sure I don't have spinach in my teeth. Even with the advent of the new rear and side cameras in cars now, I still rely on my rear view mirror. For instance, I back into our garage. I do that because I park on the right hand side and that, that lets me park a little closer to the wall so we have a few more inches between the cars to walk. But I don't use the backup camera. I use the passenger side rear view mirror. I don't know. I suppose it's that I'm just more comfortable with the mirror. I've had 43-ish years experience using the mirror. And only two-ish years experience using the camera. I don't trust it. Especially in weather like this, when you look at the little screen and it's just a blur because of all the stuff you've picked up on the road. And there's something else I've, that I've pondered for some time regarding, especially that rear view mirror. The, the letters that are etched or decaled onto the mirrors now, you know the ones that read, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. It's curious, I think. I've thought more than once that I, though I understand making the mirrors that way gives one a little better view of what's back there, but I've, but I've wondered if they were going to put a message on the mirror, why didn't they just say, objects in the mirror are exactly where it looks like they are? I don't, I don't know. Rear view mirrors are designed for limited use. They're designed to keep us aware of dangers, of obstacles, of things or persons that we do not want to hit or that we don't want to hit us. They're not designed to drive by. It's not advisable to look into them for extended period of times while you're driving. They're not designed to check one's teeth or to comb one's hair or to do one's makeup while driving down the road. It made me think, it's been a lot of years ago, I was actually on the west side of town driving down Central, and, and this gal went around me on the right-hand side. She was steering with her knee. She was combing her hair with this hand and talking on the phone with this hand. <laughs> and I thought, oh my. But Ali, and she was, she, she was, pretty young, and I acknowledge young folks can multitask a whole lot better than I can. And I've been guilty of a few of those things myself, with the exception of makeup. I don't, I don't do my makeup in the rearview mirror. Rearview mirrors are designed to check, to make note, to make adjustments, stay aware, and move on. 
For the purposes of today, this second Sunday of Lent in the church, we're not really talking about rearview mirrors. Probably obvious. We're talking about all those things in our lives we need to relegate to the rearview mirror, the past, and let it go. I think to a large degree that is what Jesus was doing in our story this morning. He has built a reputation. His ministry, if you will, has begun to grow. He's been teaching and preaching, healing, gathering a following, and the powers that be are getting nervous. Not only the powers that be in the faith, but the powers that be in the empire as well. The tide is shifting. The environment is changing. There is a storm brewing. And Jesus seems to be right in the middle of it. The powers that be are beginning to talk about how to squash this movement. They will try to discredit him, say that he is just an actor of the faith, just a plant, just someone to stir up trouble, to carry out some evil agenda. A conspiracy against the faith. A conspiracy against the empire. A conspiracy. Does that sound familiar? Some things never change. Jesus is no fool. He can see the writing on the wall. He knows what he's doing. He knows the empire. He knows the religious elite. And he knows they're getting nervous. And things are going to get difficult. So he tells those that he's teaching, things are going to turn for the worse. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be rejection. There's going to be accusation. There's going to be belittling. There's going to be hate. It could even cost me. It could even cost us, the movement, its life. And so Peter, the leader of the disciples, takes him aside and says, Whoa, whoa, Jesus. Are you kidding me? We're just now getting some traction. We're just now making a difference. We're just, we just now have their attention. We can win this thing. Don't give up. Don't give in now. Or did he? Maybe Peter said, you know, Jesus, we don't have to do this. Things feel like they're starting to go south. We could, we could just go back up on the mountain, build some houses, you know, for me and you and James and John and Moses and Elijah, like I suggested a week or two ago. We could, we could build a community there. Just leave all this behind. No one, nothing has to die. Just tone it down a little. So we don't draw so much attention. You know, back to the good old days when, when things were just easier and simpler. 
According to Mark's telling of the story, we don't know what Peter said to him. It just says Peter rebukes Jesus, disagrees with him strongly, but disagrees with him. Which draws a strong response from Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. Maybe in the rearview mirror, so to speak. Get behind me. I'm making note. I know you're there, but we're moving on. Peter, help me leave. Or get out of the way. What do, what do we need to relegate to the rearview mirror? What do we need to get out of our way so we can move on? That's part of what Lent is about. Talked about that on Ash Wednesday, about priorities. One, and one of the things that I came out of, of bypass surgery with was the realization of those things that are really important and those things that may or may not be as important as I thought they were. But I also made note on Ash Wednesday that the further I get away from that event, the more often I have to keep reminding myself what I said was important and what wasn't important back two days after the event. It's a, it's a constant struggle. Christian faith is not an easy faith. Following the way of Christ is not an easy way. Jesus talked about the, remember the, the, the wide gate and the narrow gate or the wide road and the narrow path. Love and justice work is a narrow path. Fraught with struggle. With resistance from those who are in power. What do we need to relegate to the rearview mirror so we can leave and move on or get out of the way? It's the, one of the things I hear in the voice of the youth in the aftermath of the Florida shooting. For those youth, it's about justice. It's about being concerned for their lives. And they're telling the powers that be. And I hear that voice not only, not only in, the, in the governmental powers that be, but in the church as well. In the churches across the country and around the world, the youth saying to the powers that be in all of those institutions, get behind us. If you're not going to help us lead, get out of the way. I am, I am incredibly proud of those youth, of our youth, as they stand and make their voices heard to say, never again. They have set their minds on divine things of justice, right, and life and have made note of what and who are in the rearview mirror and are carrying on and we need to stand and march and support and speak with them or get out of the way. I heard at least one amen. 
Mark's story goes on to say, follow me, pick up your cross, your burdens for the sake of the gospel and walk. And Mark, he doesn't say, pick up the cross because you're going to die. He says, pick up the cross and carry it, move. We too, adults and youth alike, the church, our church, this church, our country need to count the cost of what we're doing and how we're living, how we're reaping what we've sown. We need to look in our own rearview mirrors and decide the things that we need to leave behind, make note of, be aware of, and then let it go. What do we finally need to leave behind to become how we need to become? for the sake of the way of Christ, for ourselves, for those who will come after us. What, need, what needs to be relegated to the rearview mirror? The way things have always been done. What, what do they say? Those are the seven deadliest words in the church. We've always done it that way. Maybe, maybe we can't do it that way anymore. It is in part what this Lenten season is about. Acknowledging what is or needs to be behind us. Old understandings, old ways, stumbling blocks to ourselves and to our youth and our children when we get in the way. The danger in the rearview mirror is how long we gaze into it. Because you know, if you're driving down the road and you look into the rearview mirror too long, something's going to happen. And most likely it's not going to be good. Jesus is telling his audience, you need to be here and now in this moment, paying attention to what's happening right now. Pay attention to the move of God today. Look in the rearview mirror for a moment and then let it go. I believe in and through so many right now with all that can seem wrong in the world. The Spirit is moving. And I think the question for the church, for, for our country, the, the question for all of us, especially we people of faith, will be, will, will we be and participate in the move toward the future or will we be caught looking longingly into the rearview mirrors and miss it all? Keep moving. Turn around. Know your love. Stand up and walk. The future. The future is bright. We have to pay attention. The future is bright because we know or at least we say we know. In the grace and power of love, the ark is still bending and love will prevail. That is so. Amen.
with God, be a light, and love one another. Every single other. Until there are no others, just one beloved community of grace, justice, and love. Amen. Amen.